You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk a lot of Illini football recruiting with my guy, Alan True, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst. Alan and I have been together since the scout days before 24-7 Sports took over. And I got to tell you, Alan is one of the best dudes in the business, also one of the best evaluators in the business. He was uh, really high on Kendrick Green, Alex Palczewski, Nate Hobbs uh, back in the day, and he's hit pretty well on those three guys. But we dive into the two new commitments for Illinois football, four-star Caden Fagan out of Arthur Lovington, Atwood Hammond, and then, of course, three-star East St. Louis linebacker, Antoine Hayden. Then we break down who could be next, and you want to stick around for that. Because Alan, a little high on a couple other ten top 10 in-state prospects that Illinois is in on. So could Illinois get involved? Alan thinks uh, they got a decent chance with a couple of those kids. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I have to react to the news of the day, and there seems to be a lot of news these days in this quote-unquote offseason, and that is Brad Underwood signing a one-year contract extension with Illinois. has to be approved by the Board of Trustees, but that's just a formality at this point. Brad Underwood adds one more year to his contract. That makes it a six-year contract that goes through 2027-28. And we can get into the language of this contract a little bit that Illinois gave us via press release, but basically he's getting one-year extension and a $500,000 annual raise. That will take his total compensation next year without any of the bonuses to $4.6 million. And according to USA Today, if that were his, if that were his salary last year, it would have ranked eighth in the country. So I don't know if it's going to be there at the end of the day. Other coaches get raises, of course. Other new coaches could get paid more. But Brad Underwood is going to be one of the top paid coaches in the country yet again. I think it was about the top 15 last year. Right now, based on the numbers, we know he's probably going to be top 12 in the country. So a 12% raise for Brad Underwood. And I think most of us would consider that deserved. Given where Brad Underwood uh, has come from with this program, where he took over Illinois basketball at its nadir, at its low points over the last 40 years, no Illinois coach has taken over a tougher job than Brad Underwood since probably Lou Henson in the 1970s. John Gross took over. Eh, Bruce Bruce Weber was kind of, you know, in and out of the tournament, but there was a decent foundation. They weren't too far from 2005 and, and some of that aftermath. Of course, it wasn't left in a better place. And that's where Brad Underwood has lifted Illinois from the bottom of the Big Ten program to one of the Big Ten powers. He's won 44 of 60 games in the Big Ten the last three years. That's five more than any team in the Big Ten. And number two is is Wisconsin and Greg Gard. And Greg Gard's won two Big Ten Coaches of the Year. Uh, Brad Underwood hasn't won one, but if you had to give one for the last three years, Brad Underwood probably deserves it with his two title banners and you know, obviously winning a lot of games there. Now, the skeptic, and there's a couple of you out there, I know there are, would say, well, he doesn't deserve this with two NCAA second-round exits the last two years. So what's it all mean anyway? Well, it means a lot to win Big Ten championships. It means a lot to win that many Big Ten games. Um, think of if I would have told you five years ago, Illinois is going to win this many games 
even if they lose a couple NCAA tournaments, I think you'd be pretty happy about where the program is, especially given where recruiting is. We're expecting top 20 classes every year. You're getting top 100 prospects, four stars at basically every prospect you add. I think you'd be pretty happy with that. Of course, yes, the next step for Brad Underwood is finding NCAA tournament success. And that is obviously the top of mind for him moving forward. But if you're Josh Whitman, are you going to not give Brad Underwood a raise and maybe anger Brad or leave him open to other schools coming in? What if LSU would have come in with $5 million a year of six-year contract guaranteeing all that money? And, and Josh Whitman goes, no, we're not talking contracts since win an NCAA tournament game or win it, get to a Sweet 16. I don't think Brad Underwood would have responded to that pretty well, right? And I wouldn't expect Josh Whitman to do that. But if Josh Whitman did that, like some, some very small minority of fans would say, oh, he, he shouldn't get an extension. There's a very small minority. I want to say that. But say Josh Whitman said, no, we're not giving you a contract extension. And Kansas State, you know, all the Kansas State fans dreaming of Brad Underwood thought this could happen. He's going to go home to his alma mater, go home to his home state of Kansas. I understand why Kansas State fans wanted him, right? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want Brad Underwood? Uh, and he's a perfect fit for that kind of program, right? And he's coached there as an assistant. But what if they would have come? I don't think they can come with all the money that, that LSU would, but what if they would have done $4.5 million, six years guaranteed, whatever you want? Again, I don't know if they could pay the buyout and all of that stuff, but Brad Underwood maybe would have been more open to it, right? Well, Josh Whitman just said, hey, half a million dollars, it is worth the security. What Josh Whitman is buying with half a million dollars per year is more security and more stability because he's buying Brad Underwood to raise his buyout, right? Brad Underwood gets a half million dollars more a year and Josh Whitman gets the security of your buyouts going out. Now, we don't know the exact figures of that, but Brad's buyout for, for non-Big Ten teams coming into this year was around $9 million, that can be a hindrance for a program like Kansas State, right? For a Big Ten program, it was about 18 to 19, 20 million dollars. That would have been a big hindrance for, say, if Ohio State came up because Chris Holtman goes somewhere, right? Like just a random Big Ten school. You probably can't afford 20 million dollars to buy out a coach and then have to pay him on top of that five, six million dollars a year. So that's what Josh, that's what Josh Whitman is buying. And it is well worth five hundred thousand dollars to build on the success that Brad Underwood has built with his foundation, to find some momentum. Because now Brad Underwood has one of the best Big Ten programs in the country. He's got one of the better recruiting classes coming into the Big Ten. Could be one of the best in the country if they add Sky Clark to this thing. And then you can build on it with transfers as well. If Brad Underwood comes back, I would say it's more likely Kofi Coburn comes back. All of that. You don't want to reset this thing. Because while you can find a better coach, like Lon Kruger leaves and man, Ron Gunther finds Bill Self. But then Bill Self leaves and wouldn't have Illini fans liked of Ron Gunther to be a little bit more proactive and spend a little bit more money early before Kansas came in, right? Now, would it have changed anything? It's Kansas, right? It's not LSU or Kansas State. But you would have liked him to be a little bit more proactive, right? That might help you stay there. And while Bruce, Bruce Weber did great things, you know, Bill Self, you lost him, and he didn't hire as good of a coach. He kept a coach who would stay around a little longer, and, and he had great success his first couple of years. Had a nice NCAA or a nice year in 20, 2009 where they got second place in the Big Ten, surprisingly. But 
you went, you went down. And that's why the program started to go down. Josh Whitman does not want that to happen. For half a million dollars, it is well worth the price. I think everybody, most people know that. And for you who don't think Brad Underwood deserves it because you're still upset about the NCAA tournament, um, yeah, you you look back in two years if you lost Brad Underwood, probably regretting it. So you be proactive. You take care of your guy. When they produce, when your employee produces, you, you reward he or she, right? You, re- you reward them, and then you keep this momentum going and your product gets better, and you're most likely a better company for it. So this made all the sense in the world. All right, we'll talk some Illinois football recruiting with our guy, Alan True, coming up next on the Online Enquirer podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Happy to have on our guy, as always, Alan True, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst. And Alan, uh, Brett Bume was keeping us a little bit more busy, gets me talking to you a little bit more, which is always a good thing. Uh, but in-state recruiting has been the topic between you and I since Brett Bielma took over. And and we'll dive into that a little bit more, but uh, Illinois has landed two top 25 in-state prospects during the last week. So I want to ask you a little bit about them. And let's start with the big one, Caden Fagan. Uh, Illinois wanted to start the class of 2023 with kind of a bang here. And, and Caden Fagan certainly is a head, headliner for the in-state program, isn't he? Yeah. You know, when they started going after in-state recruits, I thought that I, I loved the effort. Um, and I thought that they would have some success. I thought that they would maybe have to go kind of dig out some guys. I didn't know that they were going to just come in and start winning battles like Jared Beatty and then like Caden in this class. I mean, this, that's a really good win when you look at the schools that were in on him and also the time period to get him in the class as, as your first guy. That's huge. And so, you know, you, and I think I mentioned in the article that I posted on, on Hayden that you just want to add – 
size, athleticism, versatility to the roster. You're doing it big time with a kid like that. You know, he was at the UC report camp last year in St. Louis. I saw him there every bit of what his listed size is and ran, you know, ran a 40 and tested, you know, we watched him run around those drills, like a much, much smaller guy. I think they got to figure out, I think exactly what they want to do with him. Sounds like tailback is the plan and that's what he wants to be. Um, But, you know, a whole lot of physical ability there. Yeah, I want to ask you, uh, he's a four-star in the composite. Uh, we have him as the highest possible three-star. Plays for a small program in Illinois right now. He had an ankle injury that bothered him throughout most of the year. But what's your evaluation? What did you see in that camp? What did you see on film? Yeah, I think in the camp, and he, he was doing running back stuff. And then on film, he was doing you know, all kinds of stuff. He was playing special teams. And I think some schools lean defense with him. Certainly see why. That would be the case. Um, it reminds me of some of the guys that we covered in the past a little bit. Jordan Anderson comes to mind. You know, Austin Brown was a guy who played all over the field, small school, whose schools were kind of split on what exactly do we do with this guy. I think that's what kept us from going all the way in um, with Caden as a four-star was just figuring out exactly where he projected and then getting comfortable with the level of competition that he played at. I think what we would like to see from him this season, he's the biggest, fastest, best player on the field at all times. Now let's, the film has been good. Now let's see it be completely dominant to the level that we think he should because he's that much more talented than a lot of the competition that he plays. Listen, I know Derrick Henry in the NFL is excelling as a big back, but there's not that many big backs. Uh, I know Brett Bielma's got a history, but not many guys as big as Jordan Anderson and, uh, you know, Caden Fagan now. So can you see him succeeding at the Big Ten as a running back? Yeah, you know, I think we've seen it a little bit here and there. Uh, I think the big back, maybe it's Derrick Henry kind of ushering this back into vogue, but even seeing Purdue recently run out a guy like Xander Horvath who – nobody really recruited as a tailback you see guys like that and and so i think when you have guys who are that big they have to be on the dynamic side and caden has dynamic athletic tools he has home run hitting speed at that size he's not just a i I think the days of the big i'm just gonna kind of plow through everybody up the middle those days are gone but if you have a big guy who has speed like a little guy which caden does then i think that there's room for him to play tailback I feel like you look at him, and he's usually the guy you want playing on the edge, right? This this kind of three, four outside linebacker. That's why I can understand why a lot of these schools had interest in him. So if the running back thing doesn't work out, what do you think of him as a prospect on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, he's an interesting projection over there because of the size and speed and, and everything that he brings to the table. Like you said, those are the types of athletes that go over there and succeed, although there's less but there's less evidence on that side of the ball. When you watch his film, it's much easier to evaluate him as an offensive guy because you see him more, even on special teams when he's returning kicks. That's that's really offensive film. You don't see as much of him at, you know shedding blocks, um, actually rushing the passer. You don't see him doing those things. So it would be much more projectional on the defensive side of the ball. But we, we've seen this. You know, uh, Michigan State actually – recruited Le'Veon Bell at first as a linebacker. There was some thought even when he got into camp still, some people were saying, well, they'll probably move him after the first week, right? There's no way he's going to stick as a running back. So we've seen this. I've seen this story enough times to right now not doubt Caden as a running back. 
and as you said, get Jordan Anderson, Caden Fagan, get those kind of athletes, size in your program. That, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You talked about the recruiting aspect of this. What, what do you think it does mean, or does how much does it matter to get a guy like Caden Fagan, a composite four-star guy, is the first guy in this class? Yeah, I actually think, you know, go back and forth about how much momentum is a real thing in recruiting. I, I've settled in on that. It matters. I do think that it, it does, and you see it happening here. You get him. Now you get a second commit. You got some other guys that I think are thinking about it. And it's like I said, it's not just it's not just some dude that had Illinois was his only offer or or some sleeper they uncovered who jumped on the offer right away. This was a guy they had to work for who really felt good about the direction of this program, who could have gone a lot of other places, who decided that's where he wanted to be and decided that was where he wanted to be in March. So I think other other recruits are going to see that I, I think so I do think that it matters to an extent but at the end of the day they the, it's still it's almost I, I feel like we are taking away from the staff by saying well they got Kata and now it's going to lead other they are they're doing the work and when you see how many in-state guys are taking visits how many of those guys have set officials already I think that you know that tells you what kind of work they've been doing on the trail. Yeah, the line I followed up six days later with the guy I think we all expected them to land, uh, but three-star linebacker Antoine Hayden, who would be their first signee from East St. Louis, the state powerhouse in the Metro East since James Knight back in 2017. Uh, first of all, what do you think is the importance of getting back in that school, Alan? The importance is, I think, gigantic. That's always been a good program. I think it's almost at another level now because I've noticed – they're getting more transfers from the other side of the river. You know, there's, there's guy that they are loaded. They've always been talented. It's another level now. And I've actually seen some of the guys they have coming up pipe, even in their middle school program to their freshmen, that is going to be a tree that continues to bear fruit. Like that, that, that train's not stopping anytime soon. So I think it's extremely important. And you've also seen some of their players at the college level, come back you've seen Keontes Lewis transfer out of UCLA and come back into the Big Ten to Wisconsin so I think you know you recruit that program because now with the portal being what it is maybe you get one of these guys on the bounce back also so I think it's you can't that's a program that if you talk about recruiting in the Midwest and in the state of Illinois that's very high on the list you always got to be recruiting for the portal, too. That's right. I mean, you guys set a foundation there, too. Uh, composite, they have Antoine Hayden is number 14 in state. We have him number 24. What's your evaluation of what you see on, of Antoine Hayden on film? Yeah, so really like his film, actually, as a linebacker. When he first came on our radar, it was actually he was in St. Louis at a smaller high school at Duchesne. And it was actually an opposing coach who told us about him. They say, hey, this guy just ran right through us. And he said, Derrick Henry, he goes, we just played Derrick Henry last night. And I was going, there's no way. Right. And then you pull on the film. There's this big number 22 rumbling through uh, the defense. And I thought, okay. Um, East St. Louis took him, moved him to linebacker. We weren't really sure how much of that he hadn't done a ton. He was known more as a tailback, but he took to it really fast. When you look at the statistics and the film, um, and, and even came down on the edge a little bit. You see him rushing the passer, doing some of the things we just talked about Caden uh, potentially doing. You see Antoine do all of those things. So not easy to just step into a program like that and be super productive. There's a, lo there's a lot of mouths to feed. There are a lot of people who could be making those tackles, and uh, he did it. So I, I think the next thing for us is to be able to maybe see him do more defensive stuff 
in a setting like a camp where you get a feel for can he drop back into coverage? Can you match him up on a running back or a tight end? Uh, there's no doubt he can come forward and hit somebody. So that's why I think right now, you know, solid three-star, but if we get a little bit more comfortable with him as a linebacker, I think he could still move up. Illinois has done this, whether it was Henry Boyer last year, Jordan Anderson, Malachi Hood, where they kind of put some faith in, in, in a guy. What, what do you make of that? Illinois, you know, kind of pouncing early and trying to close early on some of these guys that don't have other power five offers. Yeah, I think I think it has to be done. I think all the programs, even in the Big Ten, um, the ones that have been really successful have been able to do both. Have been able to win some battles, but you also you look at how many guys Iowa finds. You look at you know Northwestern. They're the teams that have gone to Indianapolis. There's always somebody on that team where Northwestern was their only Power Five offer. You look at Wisconsin when Brett Bielema was there how many of those players were, I think, I think that's the blueprint. You know, he's, he, you won some battles for some guys at Wisconsin. You also uncovered some gems who became guys. And you also took kind of positionless, versatile athletes and you found the right spot for them. And I think that's exactly what Illinois is doing here. And I think it's a recipe for success. Even you look at the Mark D'Antonio, we mentioned Le'Veon Bell, a lot of those Mark D'Antonio teams when they built up Michigan State, wasn't really built on the back of too many four and five star recruits. It was guys that they found. And so I think it's a successful blueprint. Do you see Hayden is, is a Mike guy, guy who can go on the edge. Uh, what, what do you kind of see him as on defense? You know, for me, looking at how East St. Louis played him more as a Sam who came down and, and rushed the passer. He's built kind of like a Mike though. He's this stocky kind of straight ahead run stuffer. So I think you have some options with him right now because of, what we see on film, I think Sam is probably the easiest projection for him, but he looks like a guy that, that gives you some possibilities. And I think that's what you like. I, I don't know that you love a, any school loves to recruit a guy anymore where you go, well, he's exactly this and only yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Defensively, it feels like more positionless because offense is a little bit more positionless as well. Uh, two really big targets for Illinois are also at East St. Louis. Don't know how realistic Miles McVeigh is. Four stars got offers from everywhere, but he's visited campus and Brandon Henderson seems right kind of in their wheelhouse. That, that would be the guy I would peg for if you're going to get another East St. Louis kid. Right. And what, what do you think of, of Brandon Henderson, the offensive lineman? So Greg Biggins actually, our Greg Biggins yeah. did the game last year when St. John Bosco played East St. Louis and he came out to an East St. Louis practice. They practiced out there and he said, Hey, what can you tell me about these guys? And I said, well, you know, Miles McVay, you know, Luther Burden, check out the other tackle. So the other tackle is really, really good. And he didn't at the time, didn't have any offers and Biggins said, Oh yeah, I think he's not far behind Miles McVay and Paris Patterson, even though those guys have power five offers. I think Brandon Henderson is really good. Um, I think he's a guy who continued to move up in the rankings. He plays basketball, which at his size and at that school that's full of athletes, it's pretty it's pretty good for him to be hooping. And I think that's actually affected. He hasn't been able to go to some things because right. he's had basketball. I think Brandon Henderson's really good, and I think Illinois is in a in a good spot for him. Um, we'll 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 see if they can close that one out. I also suspect that he may not be done getting offers because right. I think as the Miles McVeigh's come off the board. He's going to be a guy some schools get to. Yeah, I think two of the other in-state kids, Alan, that, that people need to know are, are Pat Farrell and uh, Roderick Trey Pierce. Uh, they just visited campus. Uh, two kids out of Chicago Catholic League. Illinois did pretty well there uh, last year. Uh, where do you think Illinois stands with them, and, and what do you think of those guys as prospects? 
Yeah. So I know you put in a crystal ball pick on Farrell. I'm probably not too far behind you. Um, it's not a difficult one right now. They are the in-state offer. There's only Big Ten offer. There's a lot of schools kind of kicking the tires and nibbling around. But the longer it goes that one of them doesn't pull the trigger, I think the more Illinois is able to build the relationship and build the lead. And he's got the official set. And so, you know, I think you got to feel good about where Illinois stands at this point on that one. I mean, I think he is uh, a really, really good player, good program, big frame, um, really good athlete too, a better athlete than I think we gave him credit for. He's um, shared some workout videos that I've been able to see that kind of show his flexibility and able ability to bend, which I think you need yeah. when you're, you know, six, five. Um, and then Rod, you just don't find like, that's probably the position that my region in the Midwest lacks the most. It's just really hard to find defensive tackles up here like that. And uh, so when you got a guy with size and athletic ability, we've seen Illinois do it before with Jamal Milan, who wasn't wasn't this like big time, very well-known recruit. I think Wisconsin is one they're going to have to battle there. I think he was either just at or about to get to Minnesota. Um, so the Big Ten fight, but Illinois is right there. And, and now that, you know, a couple of years ago, you would say, probably not getting that one right but after last year after jared Beatty and aiden lawfrey and and those guys now you, you you have to take it seriously when illinois is in on an in-state guy yeah and like pierce to me would be a massive get for illinois like you said like those aren't battles they were they were winning that often before and just the position uh, is a scarce one plus it's a position of need for illinois as well uh, with johnny newton keith randolph aren't going to be around here forever um all right let's talk about a little big game hunting okay Illinois got one four star maybe they want another one um malik elzy from simeon wide receiver illinois one of the major players there and then jair hill just outside a very high three-star prospect uh down in kankakee uh let's start with elzy what, what do you think about where illinois stands with him and and who they're fighting there yeah i think illinois can get that one done um and i think there's a long way to go yeah you know he's i know he's playing some seven on seven with boom this spring it's affecting his ability to get to as many schools as he wants to i think he's going to get to some of those places and then start to figure it out um tennessee is one of the schools involved there notre dame seemed like one that was very serious on both sides for a while that's cooled down a little bit now to where i'm not sure exactly where that one stands I know he's mentioned Ole Miss. Michigan was an early offer for him. But all of those kind of seem like they're on the periphery for him a little bit now. And that could be just because he hasn't gotten out to many places. But I think the school that he's become closest to and the one that he's visited a couple times is Illinois. So I could definitely see Illinois getting that one done, although that one is much yeah. – you know, you look at a guy like Farrell who's been around, been to a lot of places – Malik's kind of on the other end of the spectrum where I think he could get down to one of those places, go down to Rocky Top and fall in love. That could still happen. But as of right now, I think he's a very realistic target for Illinois. How about Jair Hill? Uh, just a rare athlete at his size, a defensive backfield. I think uh, Ryan Walters did a heck of a job with Kirby Joseph. He, he can sell that uh, to Jair Hill. But a great offer list, man. Uh, I, I live close to Kankakee. Not many prospects like that, just an hour north of Champaign. What do you think about Illinois and who they're fighting there? Yeah, so he's kind of like Rod Pierce for me, where Rod Pierce we said, you know, you find D tackles like that more. You got to go a little bit further south usually. And that's how I feel about Jair Hill. When you see a defensive back that's that athletic and long, those guys are usually, you know, down in SEC country. So um, he's, he's a potentially special player. 
I think Michigan is the school that has been talked about the most. Although whenever I've kind of kicked the tires on that one, I keep hearing that that's not as much of a done deal as everybody's made it out to be. I don't have a pick in there right now. Illinois was an early offer. They were on campus. I think they were the first and he was on campus, certainly very familiar, close to home. Um, he's, you know, pretty close knit with, uh, his family. He's got, you know, cousins and stuff that play on the team. I think Illinois, you know, same thing as I feel with Elsie. Um, Jair hasn't been around to a ton of visits this spring. He's not, he's not one that's at a different campus every couple of days. Um, so I think he needs to go see some things also, but Illinois very much within striking distance on him as well. Yeah, I would expect both those guys to go into the summer. I, I don't think either of those uh, is popping anytime soon. But just overall, Alan, like this feels like a different conversation that we're having with, with Brett Bielma. A year in really solid foundational class, did a lot of things you want, building relationships, getting the kids they need to get in state, uh, and winning a couple of nice ones, as you said, in Loffrey and Beatty. But what do you just make of, of Bielma's approach and, and how he's uh, impacted the Illinois brand so far? Yeah, I mean, even the fact that you and I are able, like you said at the start, talking to each other more, it's great. So obviously being the Midwest guy, I'm enjoying that. But even if you just take aside that it's allowing me to write more articles about Illinois, I mean, I really like the approach. Like I said, when I, as I've looked at how Big Ten winners are built, especially when you're not Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan, how the Michigan states have climbed, how Northwestern has gotten themselves to Indianapolis a couple of times. It's what Illinois is doing. Um, and so I, I think it's a really great approach. I thought last year's class was a perfect example of how to do it, where you win battles for guys, but then you know, towards the end of that cycle, took some guys from in-state that didn't really have much going on. They found some guys and they trusted the evaluation. And when we turned on the tape on those guys, we kind of went, we could totally see what they're looking at here. How did this guy slide past everybody? Um, it kind of reminded me of in past classes when you and I have had those conversations of, hey, I think this Nate Hobbs is a little bit better than his offer list, or I think Tony Adams is better than his offer list, or Alex Palchewski. They've done a good job of that in the past, and I think this staff you know, is going to do a really good job of it. Obviously remains to be seen how those guys turn out, but past history with this staff, and their evaluations would tell you that uh, I think they know what they're looking for there. Just to wrap up and going outside of Illinois, Alan, any, anything of interest uh, in the big 10 of what's happening in recruiting, you know, Nebraska with Scott Frost kind of on a hot seat, it's going to transfer heavy, but anything, especially maybe big 10 West wise that, that has caught your eye uh, in recruiting over the last um, several months. Well, Nebraska's get it together a little bit here. I think last year's class was a little bit down. It was disappointing. Um, one of the lower ranked classes that they brought in in the last few years, but I think this class, they've started to pick things back up, starting to see them recruiting the type of kids um, that they were previously. You know, the West is always very kind of steady. You got a lot of teams that very much stick to their blueprint. Wisconsin, Iowa, um, Northwestern, those teams don't really stray too far away from what they do year after year. They, they may change. They've, they've got, I would say those schools have gotten with the times a little bit where they recruit earlier now. They will offer some sophomores. I, I never thought we'd see the day where those schools offer freshmen and sophomores. They do now. So they've changed a little bit. For the most part, you know what you're getting over in the West. It's the East where you see some flux with Michigan State's recruiting a little bit better than normal. Rutgers is recruiting a little bit better than normal. I think that's where you have some teams that you can say are, are kind of surprising. The West just kind of... 
works at their own yeah. pace and always seems to be competitive with doing what they do. Yeah, you, you maybe like one of those to get into that top 15, top 10 territory at some point to give the East a, a run in the championship game. But uh, they do what they do, and it works for them. Uh, at least and, and like when you look at the NFL draft every year, and there's there's guys from the West getting drafted very high also, and they're usually guys that are making us look silly. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of guys, you know, the Greg Newsoms and the Rashawn Slaters, and then there's always somebody – from Iowa or Wisconsin or Illinois that get up there, even even like the guys we just mentioned, Nate Hobbs, I wish I, I knew I liked him. I wish I'd had the stones to rank him higher. But you know what? You had him high, ranked higher than anybody. And no one on draft day or now is telling you about, hey, hey, that true guy, 24-7 or scout at the time, they got that one right. It's always, hey, this guy was a two-star, right? Or this yeah, guy was no, a no-star. No I mean, it's almost like unless you just – having him as a higher three-star than everybody else. You don't get any credit for that. You almost have, you have to crash, cross that four-star threshold. Uh, we did get Kendrick Green though, so I feel feel yeah. good about that one. But um, but yeah, at, at, at any rate, I, I do think that, you know, the West, um, they've, I, I think that they've, they've, they've picked some things up. I think having injected PJ Fleck and Scott Frost and Jeff Brom into that equation a few years back, uh, it forced everybody else to go, okay, we've got some, some coaches that are going to work on the recruiting trail. And I think the, if you look at what the teams in the West used to rank yeah. in recruiting to what they do now, I mean, it's night and day. And, and some of that, is, honestly, is we've done a better job of evaluating some of those rural states. But I also think that the West has upped their game in recruiting. Well, Alan True, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst, thanks as always for the time, and it's great catching up, and maybe at some point in the summer we'll have to catch up again. It's always a good thing. Yeah, I think if uh, Illinois has things their way, we'll be talking again. Great stuff from Alan, and I agree. I think we're going to be talking a lot more about in-state recruiting as the summer goes along because I think they're going to add some of these guys we just talked about, and I think it's really important. You know, sometimes I – I wondered if we talked too much about in-state recruiting, but you watch some of these other programs and what they do and how they build it. There's a reason Brett Bielema is doing this um, because in-state kids, I think, are one, more likely to pick your school because I think location, distance from home still matters for a lot of prospects. I think in-state kids may be more likely to stick uh, in the program in this day and age of the transfer portal. Plus, there's just a lot of talent. It's not like you're in a state that doesn't produce talent. Um, there's a lot of talent in the state of Illinois and why wouldn't you want to be involved in that? Because these kids talk to each other, they recruit each other, they play against each other, they play with each other. Uh, and if you can land a couple of the top 10 in-state prospects every year, several of the top 30 in-state prospects, that's just a good foundation that can kind of build on itself. Like Wisconsin, if they want a kid in state nowadays, after 30 years of great in-state recruiting and of great success, they probably are going to get that in-state kid. And if five, ten years from now, most of these kids growing up are watching a good Illinois football program and you can get most of the top kids, that's such a huge advantage in such a good football state. Maybe not great like Ohio. Um, you know, Michigan's really good. But in the Midwest, there aren't a lot of you know states that produce as much talent as Illinois. So you got to take advantage of it. Uh, but check out all our latest on Illinois football recruiting. I did who could be next in the class of 2023. That's at com. And, of course, we'll have you covered throughout spring ball and everything happening with Illinois basketball this offseason. Keep checking the VIP board for all of Derek Piper's offseason updates. 
Thank you for listening to the Illini Choir Podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on our YouTube page as well. Subscribe to us there. If you like the video content, we're going to keep that coming. And of course, if you aren't a VIP member, $1 for your first month. It's a pretty good time to sign up for that right now. So go and try that out as well. That'll do it for us today. Thanks for listening. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. Take care of each other. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Choir Podcast. Thank you.